And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right, I want to start with something a little bit different today. Not newsworthy. It is the antithesis of what you're supposed to do when you crack the microphone every single day. And I realize that I'm just two days back from vacation, but what I want to do is I want to just start with something just kind of like relaxing, okay? Uh, It's the same stuff that we have been talking about for a long time. You know, it's weird. I was talking with somebody today. Those of you who have listened to my show for a long period of time know that I really do enjoy having fun here. And most of what I have done my entire career is give you an entire variety of topics every single day. And I haven't been able to do that since right before COVID. Uh, COVID changed that. COVID has obviously, you know, morphed everything. And it got to a point where it's like, look, I'm, I'm dealing with I'm dealing with people lying about, you know, Donald Trump all the time. Having to correct those those nonstop fake stories. That's still happening now. Uh, going into COVID and having to give you health updates, uh, the latest scientific research, and then all of a sudden, the latest scientific research was in complete opposite of what public health officials were telling you, and we had to tell you that. And it was a constant, constant battle. And I tried to slip in entertaining things here and there, but let's be honest. We got away from what I usually do. There's there's no other way around it. So we're going to try and have a little fun this week. First week back from vacation Yesterday was a bit of a stressful day. Today, we're going to try and just dial it back just a little bit. I may even bring back the not-so-horrible news with Casey on Fridays. Might even do that, okay? But I wanted to talk about something that is completely meaningless for the real world, but is a part of the culture war, which, of course, you know, I believe is probably the most important thing happening. I want to talk about the Terminal List, and I don't know how many of you have seen this show. It is on Amazon Prime. It stars Chris Pratt. And it's phenomenal. If you have not seen the terminal list, I highly, highly recommend it. Unless you're a boring individual and you don't like to have fun and you don't like, you know, guns, explosions and, you know, uh, dad's taking revenge on people who deserve it. Then just go off and be boring by yourself and maybe don't listen to me for the next 10 minutes or so. This is a great show. This is a fantastic show. There are camera tricks that are utilized in this show that I haven't seen before. Uh, the writing is really good. The acting is stellar. The story is just fan- fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I love it. It's great stuff. I highly, highly recommend it. Okay? Now, the reason that I wanted to bring this up is this show, as pretty much anything that Chris Pratt does, gets attacked by leftists because they are convinced that he is some ultra-right-wing evangelical guy. He's a Christian. He's worn that on his sleeve. He hasn't denied that. But I don't know what his politics are. I have no clue what Chris Pratt, how he votes. I don't know what issues are important to him. I do know that he is a religious person. I do know that he believes in Jesus Christ and he talks about it. But he doesn't proselytize all the time. But it comes up. And I also know that when people speak to kids, when they do these award shows that are that are uh, you know catering towards kids... I know that he's one of the few celebrities out there that will give them words of encouragement for them to succeed instead of talking about himself. And that's why I play his speeches when he gives those those talks so frequently on this show when they happen, because nobody else does that. 
when you go, do you remember when I used to do my version of the commencement speech? I would do this every single year because every time you get in graduation, you've got, you know, politicians and media people and celebrities. They all give a commencement speech. They're never about the students. The commencement speech are always about, here's what I think we should do, or Republicans are evil, or Trump's this, and that. It, it's never about, hey, you're, you guys are going out into the world right now and preparing them for that and motivating for them, uh, them for that. It's never about that. So I used to give my, my annual commencement speech, and I would do it on the show. But it, it's important that we get to a point here where we acknowledge good people in traditionally bad areas. And Hollywood is a bad area now. It didn't used to be, but it is now. Chris Pratt's one of the good guys. Whether he votes Republican, Democrat, doesn't vote at all, I don't really care. Chris Pratt's one of the good guys, okay? And he's making a really, really good list of products. The roles that he is picking are just fantastic. And he's also had a hand in producing and directing, I think, uh, uh, with this show as well. And it's just a fantastic show. If you've not seen The Terminal List, I highly recommend it. Now, I'm not just talking about this to tell you that it's a good show and you should go watch it. It's because the show is being attacked. As I said before, anything that Chris Pratt does basically gets attacked, unless it's Marvel, because everybody knows that Marvel is has gone super woke. But Chris Pratt is under assault here. The entire show is under assault because it. I think somebody called it like a a right-wing wet dream, or some other nonsense. What? This is a movie that, yeah, conservatives are going to love just because of the sheer basic moral moral values in the show. But this is something that used to be something that we would all celebrate as an audience. You have a good guy going up against bad guys who did bad things, and he's cleaning house, Right? That used to be something that Americans would unify about for a couple of hours and just relax when we watched a movie or, you know, for a season of the show or whatever. Could you imagine, I mean, what would happen if they actually made season one of 24 now? And I realized that they brought 24 back like a few years ago, but 24, let's be honest, it never should have went beyond two seasons. And I know that a lot of you continue to watch it beyond that, but it lost all of its luster after that. Season one of 24 was probably the best season of television in the history of mankind. Then they ruined it. Doesn't mean it wasn't a bad show. It just means that they ruined it. Okay. But if they were to make season one of 24 now, what would happen? What would happen? There would be protests. There would be anger. There'd, there'd be all sorts of stuff. They couldn't make it today. Not the way that season one went down. The terminal list basically throws that out the window and says, we don't really care what your opinion is. We're going to make the show that we want to make. And that's what we're going to do. And because of that, people are outraged. Even though there is virtually no actual politics in this show whatsoever. It is just a good old-fashioned American revenge story. That's really what it is. So the Terminal List author, Jack Carr, isn't taking the flack coming at him from leftist critics over his new show on Amazon laying down. And as critics rage that the show has come out that doesn't infect itself with modernity, Carr is firing back. If you haven't watched the Terminal List, this is redstate.com, by the way, starring Chris Pratt, I suggest you do so at your earliest convenience. While I'm not done with it yet, uh, I'm wholly uh, wholly sucked in, excuse me, 
Pratt really puts his acting chops on display in a show that is very well written, and every character brings their A-game to boot. It really sucks you in, and you love every second. I have to tell you, you know, usually when you get into shows, like when you say there's great acting, you're talking about the leads. The supporting actors in this show are fantastic. I mean, it is just everybody involved with this show is just great. People that you see on screen for, you know, maybe three minutes throughout the entire season, just, they really do. They're very good actors. According to the left, the show is rife with flaws, bad acting, bad writing, and bad themes. Or at least that's what their excuse for not liking it is. They're not exactly shy about telling you why they actually hate it. As was covered previously, the left is angry because it doesn't carry its message in any way, shape, or form. In fact, according to them, it is a movie that conservatives enjoy, which is the gravest sin that any movie can make. Now, of course, it's, it's really a show. It's not necessarily a movie, but you get the idea. I can tell you that so far the critics are wrong. The audience seems to agree as the critics' score on Rotten Tomatoes sits at 43%, while the audience scores at a whopping 94%. Now, Rotten Tomatoes, is they've been lost for a long time. If you used to go to Rotten Tomatoes and you basically you know take a look at, hey, how does the audience like a movie? How does the... How does the, you know, the actual critics, the, the Roger Eberts of the world and that sort of thing, how do they like the movie? Yes, I know he's passed away, but everybody knows, everybody knows him. And now it, it's at a point where you ignore the critic score whatsoever, or if the critics give it a low score, you automatically watch it. Everybody looks at the audience score. Everybody loves this show. This is the most popular show in the country right now. It is the most streamed program in the country right now and if you were to ask me it's probably the second best show for all mankind i still think is the best show being produced at at this point in time it's on apple plus if you haven't seen that you have to cars stopped by carlson to point out the daily beast article which uh, called the show a conservative revenge fantasy it seems to have triggered quite a few of these critics he said Daily Beast titled the review the terminal list is an unhinged right-wing revenge fantasy which is odd because right, left, conservative, liberal are not even mentioned in the show, he said. This is true. There's no politics. There are politicians. You don't know what they believe on anything. You don't know what political party they're with. There's no politics. None. But I think it may be because the protagonist is competent with weapons and tactics. He's strong. He holds those in power accountable. And that could be unsettling for some, particularly some. Maybe senior members of the military who have failed upwards over the last 20 years, he said. He also highlighted a piece of a review uh, from TV Line. It says the fugitive meets SEAL team meets don't tread on me truck decal uh, were served up huge helpings of red meat masculinity and lots and lots of American flags. They don't like American flags over there, he said, which is true. He plays a Navy SEAL. And automatically, that means this is a bad show to the entire radical left wing of the country because they hate the military. The only time they pretend to like the military is when you point out they hate the military. And they no, no, I love them. And they don't actually love them at all. They hate them. But Chris Pratt is a Navy SEAL. He's a family man. He has good moral values. And because of that, they despise this show. This should be a rule for everybody. And I understand we're talking about a television show here and not the latest breaking news. I got news for you. All of the latest breaking news is the same stuff from yesterday. At the end of the day, 
if you see the political left media in this country, the, the radicalized political left, if you ever see them freak out about a show or a movie, your homework is to immediately go watch it. They hate this show. They're trying to kill this show off, and it's still the most watched thing in the entire country. So if you haven't seen the terminal list, if you have uh, Amazon Prime, go watch it. You're not going to regret it. It really is a great show. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3. Talking about real things next. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Don't forget to watch the live stream on Rumble. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. A couple of people are asking me what the new website was again. Btmedia.news. Burningtruthmedia.news. Btmedia.news. All right. A couple of COVID stories here. But this is, this is pretty interesting. This isn't, first of all, the CDC is out there scaring you again. Oh, we've seen like hospitalizations go up. Go look at the numbers. They're not that bad. Uh, So anyway, an Ivy League epidemiologist is taken on Twitter for censorship and the university for hiding vaccine injuries. Now, this is just the news.com. Remember, we talked about Alex Berenson's legal fight with Twitter and how he won. Now, he's a former New York Times journalist. And one of the things that he did was he would routinely report on, you know, the COVID research that was actually happening in real laboratories, not what public health officials were telling you. And he kept getting censored as a result. Everything he published was accurate and true, but he kept getting censored. Well, he filed a lawsuit on breach of contract, which is what I told you years ago needed to happen. There is a contract that happens when you join a social network. That social network is agreeing to give you access to all of their tools and their platform in exchange for you giving them access to some of your personal information so they can make money off of you. And in accordance with that agreement, there is a terms of service. And if you don't violate that terms of service, but they censor you anyway, there is a breach of contract. It is a monetary legal contract. It is not, oh, they can do whatever they want. They're a private business sort of a thing. That's not what we're talking about. This isn't a no shirt, no shoes, no service sort of a scenario. And I keep trying to have to explain this to uh, neocons out there who don't really understand what this whole legal fight is about. Alex Berenson did that. He, He based it on breach of contract. And he won. He got a settlement. Now we've told you that Dr. Malone and others, uh, McAuliffe is also doing it. They're all going after Twitter now. They, they filed their lawsuit the day that Berenson won his. An Ivy League epidemiologist may be taking over Alex Berenson's legal fight after Twitter reinstated the contrarian journalist and belatedly acknowledged his tweets questioning the effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines didn't violate its misinformation policies. Because, again, everything that Berenson tweeted was true. Uh, Andrew Boston, a veteran professor in Brown University Medical School until last year, told Just the News that he has retained Berenson's lawyer for potential litigation against the social media company for permanently suspending his account after he shared peer-reviewed research on the vaccine's effect on male fertility, which, of course, we have shared on this show and we have been censored on social media for. Um, This is the problem. When you have actual research here, actual science, you should be able to share that. Now, if there is other research out there that competes with that, then share that, too. Then you have the debate. You have the experts on all sides. You can see which study actually holds up underwater, um, under pressure, I should say. 
and and then you can you can have that discussion. But when you have clinical trial after clinical trial after clinical trial that says one thing, and then you have a public health official without any evidence going, uh-uh, not true, and they they side with the the public health official and not with the actual scientific research, we got a real problem. And that's what they did throughout all of COVID. And that's the thing that is so frustrating about this. So Boston is also taking on Brown University for allegedly hiding a 20-year-old male student's hospitalization for heart inflammation in March of 2021, a month before Brown announced a COVID vaccine mandate for students. Now, remember, uh, the COVID vaccine particularly is risky the younger you get, especially if you're male. Now, there are issues with female fertility, but they don't appear to be as widespread as some of the heart issues appear to be in young men particularly athletes who already have an issue with hearts. As a hospital volunteer, the student received the first dose of the mRNA vaccine a month earlier. So again, this is a month earlier before Brown made the uh, the mandate. No college mandates, which has sent a legal warning letter to dozens of college presidents, told Just the News that it plans to notify the top leadership at other Ivy League schools about the myocarditis case identified by Boston. Again, he's an epidemiologist. He is an expert in this field. He's not a run-of-the-mill dork that is running around with, uh, with an account online. This is an expert at an Ivy League school. This is his field of expertise. And as I've said before, you're going to get epidemiologists who disagree with one another. There have been plenty throughout the entire pandemic. There are plenty all the time on every single issue in their field. That is, of course, medical science. The issue is, is that he's an expert in the field, he should be able to tell you his expert opinion on what is happening. Other experts in the field who disagree with him should also be able to do the same thing. They should be able to publicly debate, share data with one another, and the neutral third parties who are just trying to get information should be able to observe both of them and decide which one they believe so they can make the best choice for themselves. The incident happened a year before Ashish Jaha took leave as Brown's Dean of Public Health to serve as the White House COVID coordinator. Jaha recently claimed that there have been there have not been any serious side effects of these vaccines. Now, we know that that is not true, okay? That's a lie. Anybody who goes out there and tells you there's no serious side effects with the COVID vaccines is straight up lying to you. There are a lot of serious side effects. And here's the thing. I'm not going to try and fearmonger everybody, but here's the truth, okay? This is the actual medical science. This is what all the empirical data shows. There are tons of side effects with the vaccines most of them not so serious there are however a lot more serious side effects up in including death from the mrna vaccines much higher rates than we have ever accepted with other vaccines and medications who have hit the market and i provided examples of this to you with other cases where drugs were pulled from the market vaccines were pulled from the market far less cases far lower percentages of adverse reactions than we are seeing with the mrna vaccines period end of story that is concrete scientific fact that is not my opinion that's not the opinion of anybody else now you can make the case that because we were dealing with a serious pandemic that has killed a lot of people that this this risk was warranted for at least certain populations you can certainly do that but when you go out there and you tell people that there hasn't been any serious side effects, you're just lying to people, which is why he is now lawyered up. There's more to this because there's another university that's now involved 
And there are more people, including expert epidemiologists and infectious disease experts, who are now jumping on this. I told you the Berenson case was going to open the floodgates, and here we are. MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. I'm so glad I played that Jill Biden thing yesterday at the end of the show. <laughs> we, we found the Jill Biden thing at the end of the show yesterday, and we played it. It wasn't, it, it was, was it not, Ben, in the middle of a commercial break? I go, she did not. <laughs> I played it. Because uh, I wasn't going to play that. I'm so glad that I did yesterday because today has been so hysterical because of that topic. We'll get to that here in just a little bit, probably at 4 o'clock. I want to continue with this. And the reason that I want to continue with this is, once again, we need to hit home that experts are allowed to disagree with one another. There's a reason why your entire life, every time you get a serious diagnosis from your medical doctor, you're supposed to get a second opinion. And medical doctors have always supported you getting a second opinion. Now, suddenly, they don't. If you get a second opinion, you are the problem. They're not. I mean, it's this ego society that we kind of live in now. So we just got done telling you about an epidemiologist at Brown University, which is an Ivy League school, um, who is now lawyering up and suing Twitter because they censored him for things that he wrote about COVID and the vaccines and what have you. And he's also going to sue Brown University because Brown University withheld and hid from the student body that one of the students actually had an adverse reaction from the COVID vaccine. So now we've got to move to a different university. Laval University has now suspended two professors after a video where they expressed some skepticism about giving COVID vaccines to children. And again, we are in a situation where we already know what the real data shows. And this is, in fact, this has been the data from the very beginning of the pandemic. Children are just not susceptible to COVID unless they have a comorbidity. If they have a comorbidity, if we're talking about your kids, your grandkids, what have you, if they have a comorbidity, that is a discussion that you need to have with your medical professionals. That is certainly not the norm. And we're at a point where even the CDC has admitted that no children with uh, without comorbidities have died from died from or with COVID. Okay, all healthy children have survived survived COVID. That is the CDC's own admission, and it took them a very long time to get there. Now there are problems with the COVID vaccine and children. Maybe one day they'll hash those things out, perhaps. But we don't have a serious jeopardy from COVID for little kids. So you probably want to go ahead and take a step back before getting your child vaccinated if they're not in any actual danger from the virus. Why would you take the higher risk, right? That doesn't make any sense. If things change with a new variant that now is targeting and killing children, that dramatically changes the conversation. That has not happened yet. So you've got a microbiology and immunology professor, Patrick Provost, was suspended by Laval University in Canada, eh? So, he's been suspended for eight weeks without pay because there's a video of him attending a conference about the risks of administering the COVID vaccine to children, of which there are many. Professor Provost sent an email after attending a conference called Renfro COVID Quebec, said suggested the risks of vaccinating children for COVID outweighed the benefits, which is, again, what the medical science and the real-world data has shown from the very beginning. In a panel organized by Renfro COVID, 
On uh, December 7th of 2021, Provo said that an analysis of provincial data shows that there is more risk of a hospitalization for children from COVID vaccines than the disease itself, which, again, has played out everywhere in the Western world that has studied this, particularly in France and in Israel. In a panel organized, okay, well, Renfro, excuse me, Renfro COVID described itself as a collective of nurses, physicians, scientists, and citizens seeking to generate debate about how the pandemic has been handled by the government, okay? So essentially, they go in here. This is an expert. He's saying, look, this doesn't make any sense. He's pro-vaccine. He just doesn't think it makes sense for children because the virus itself doesn't actually hurt kids unless there is a comorbidity, okay? Um, So we're not talking about children with comorbidities here, but healthy kids. And the vaccine itself poses a potential, although small risk, of danger. But that potential is greater than the actual virus. So why would you risk it? That is his expert opinion. There are experts who disagree with him. They should all be able to express their opinion. Then you've got a molecular biology professor, Nicholas Derome. He was also suspended for comments that he made during that panel. So you've got two experts at Laval University in Quebec who have made the same comments. Well, now they are going the union, basically, the faculty unions filed a complaint with the university, and they are fighting this. You're seeing more and more experts, which I told you a long time ago is going to happen. We're going to get away from COVID once everybody kind of calms down. COVID, you know, kind of breaks away as, a, as an immediate health concern. And then about two years after the pandemic is over, that's when we'll start getting the data. That's what happened the last time uh, the World Health Organization tried to scare the entire world about swine flu. And then eventually they had to admit that they lied to everybody. So this is, again, little little concerning. But then you've got a 45-year-old Canadian who has been paralyzed, has been paralyzed after getting the Pfizer vaccines, 45 years old. Well, now um, he is he's actually filed an official complaint with the government of Canada, and he is a, is awaiting for them to respond. But because of their their health laws there, it's a bit different than how it would play out here. But he's 45 years old. So now you're starting to get a lot more of these people who were healthy before, then they get vaccinated. Now they're not healthy that are starting to file their cases. And more and more of these cases are starting to get recognized by the courts. They're starting to go through the process. So you're going to see a lot more of this. As I've told you before, my, you know, I, one of the concerns that I have, although it's a, it's a self-made bed, um, the private companies that kind of jumped on this they're going to get nailed by anybody who has any kind of an adverse reaction uh, to these vaccines if they required their employees to get it and did not allow them to opt out or make exceptions uh, for them to opt out. People are going to start suing, and that could be very economically damaging. Um, In the midst of all of this, when I was on vacation, just in case you didn't know, uh, the CDC also updated its flu vaccine vaccine efficacy. And, and of course, the flu vaccine, and a lot of people get it, um, and there's nothing wrong with if you get it, it's just the flu vaccine isn't very effective. I've mentioned this many, many times. It'll protect you from strains that may not be in circulation that year and that sort of stuff. Uh, the CDC did update its flu vaccine efficacy. Uh, it says that it has negligible, negligible immunity and it increases to moderate to uh, 35% efficacy. So there is that. The CDC announcement backtracked on its previous interim estimates in March uh, for 2021 and 2022 influenza seasons. It found that the vaccine did not offer significant immunity. 
uh, with estimated immune protection of just 16 percent. So they have now increased that to 35 percent. So it's been a slight improvement, but still not a lot. Not telling you not to get the flu vaccine. Flu vaccine is pretty safe. uh, But at the same time, you know, there is great concern going forward of what else they're going to start mixing into the flu vaccine as we start getting into, a, you know, the medical community settling into COVID being a seasonal virus. Uh, a lot of people are, are worried. Now, it hasn't been announced, but there have been some experts who've suggested that there will be a cocktail going forward. Uh, and that's where things are going to get a little dicey. But right now, just to let you know, the CDC did update and improve the efficacy of the seasonal flu vaccine from 16 to 35 uh, percent. They did that just about a week ago when I was on vacation. All right, we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, you can watch the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. There is a poll supposedly embedded in the live stream video that you're supposed to be able to vote on. Uh, we're going we're gonna to play around with that and see if that actually works. It should be interactive. I don't know if it will be, but it should be. Rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Hit that subscribe button too, please. Um, Overland College, since we're just in the midst of dealing with universities, let's talk about Overland College. Now, Overland College was, they were the place that they had slandered that bakery. Remember the bakery that was on, like on campus and, and the bakery had a bunch of contracts and stuff with the, the school for a long time. And then the bakery was falsely accused of racism and that sort of stuff. And a bunch of the professors at Overland College and the senior faculty attacked the bakery verbally and in public uh, with uh, you know press releases and, and articles and things like that. And it turns out that the bakery was totally and completely innocent of anything. And as a result, the bakery had sued Oberlin College. This is Gibson's Bakery. They had sued Oberlin College, and they they were basically ordered to give the bakery like $33 million. And Oberlin College uh, has refused to make that payment. Oberlin College is now facing $4 million in interest charges after refusing to pay $33 million in court-ordered defamation damages to a mom-and-pop bakery that it slandered as racist. Again, falsely. Uh, Gibson's Bakery is reportedly struggling to survive after Oberlin College students and dean of students uh, Meredith Raimondo falsely accused the business of racism. Oh, I got to sneeze. Let's <sighs> fight. There we go. It's always nice when it uh, tries to come and then it it doesn't actually come out. So luckily there's a cough button and only Ben had to uh, had to hear it. Uh, Moreover, students are continuing to boycott the 137 year old bakery, despite the allegations being proven completely false. Why? Uh, Because young people these days are stupid. I, I, I know that that is not an an accurate descriptor of the entire population, but look how ridiculous they are. We have video evidence that what this bakery was accused of doing didn't happen, and they're still protesting. Why? To make matters worse, the Ohio College is not paying its court-ordered damage to Gibson's Bakery. So nobody's going to the bakery. The college is not paying their bill. For lying about the bakery. And the only reason that business is down at the bakery is because the college lied about it. Now Oberlin College faces paying 
$4 million in interest on top of what the school already owes, according to the Daily Mail. Yeah. You're, um, I mean, here's the thing. You're extra special scum because, one, you got involved in this fake hate nonsense, right? There was evidence early on in this case because this story took off like wildfire when it actually happened. But there was evidence early on that there was no racism that happened. I mean, it was like virtually immediately. We're not talking like there was an investigation and then months later we ended up discovering that the accusations were not true. We're talking like the next day we knew. We knew that it was a lie. And still you had faculty at Oberlin College and the the university itself attack this bakery and destroy its business. But you got proven wrong. You went to court. You lost. You lied about them. And now you've got to pay damages. And the school is based, they have the $33 million. They're a very wealthy school. They just decided, yeah, we're not going to pay it because we don't want to. But, of course, it's you who uh, don't actually respect institutions, though, right? Those of you on the, the political right, you're the ones that don't respect institutions. This is the people on the left who are trying to tear down every institution that exists, but, uh, but you're the ones that don't respect them. So Oberlin College, you know, they're continuing to be the, the cesspool that they, they really are. And this business, you know, they've been there for, for you know, over 120 years, for crying out loud. It's hard to just pack up. It's it's easy to go, yeah, just pack up and move. But at the same time, they've been there since eight what eighteen eighty five, I think, is the uh, the official date. It's hard to just pack up and and change your whole legacy simply because a bunch of nincompoops over at a university didn't get it right. Now they don't want to own up to the fact that they lied about you. We're going to talk about Jill Biden in this. It was a breaking event yesterday at the end of the show, and it has just really blown up into something absolutely hysterical. We did a poll on whether or not it was racist. I'll give you the result of that poll, too, coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, and online, 95.3mnc.com and rumble.com slash Casey, the host. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company? Locations in South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. So yesterday... It is, what, 540, I think? We're getting ready to close out the show. We, You know, that last half hour is super short because of the, the O'Reilly stuff. And I'm just sitting here because most of you know I'll prep throughout the show just in case something happens that I, I think is more important than what I already had planned for you. And lo and behold, I, I see this thing about Jill Biden. And I go, she did not. There's no way. Now, in the back of my mind, I know that she said it, but you don't want to believe that somebody is actually that stupid, even if it is Jill Biden. After all, she does demand that you call her a doctor, even though she isn't a real doctor. So she said something at the Latinx Inclusion. That's uh, instead of instead of inclusion with an S, it's with a capital X. Because we're just replacing all sorts of stuff with random X's now. The Latinx Inclusion Conference. Now, during this, she said this. Cue my audio, please. I want to remind everybody of this because I could not believe it yesterday. We played it during the commercial break. I'm like, I have to play this for the audience. 
I'm so glad that I did because it just blew up today. So this is Jill Biden at the Latinx Inclusion Conference. But we can't get those things on our own. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm from the Southwest. (laughs) I, I don't. I don't know a single one of my Hispanic or Latino friends who thought that this was okay. Not a single one. I reached out to a few of them yesterday. I'm like, yo, what do you think about being compared to tacos? Not even like real tacos, breakfast tacos. And and they they were not happy about it, okay? Now, most of them are conservatives, but I digress. So anyway, um, at a Latinx inclusion conference, which for the record is highly offensive. What is it, like 87%? of Latinos find Latinx to be offensive and racist. So there's a reason that you're only seeing, you know, white people, white liberals run around and say this stuff. You're generally not seeing a bunch of of Latin Americans say Latinx. So anyway, Jill Biden says this thing and and just basically compares, you know, Latino and and Hispanic communities to, to breakfast tacos. So I, I said, all right, let's play a game. I'm going to steal, uh, steal the bit from Daniel Tosh, comedian. Is it racist? So I, I asked all of you if it was racist on Truth Social. You go to truthsocial.com, uh, at Casey the host. Is Jill Biden saying the Latino community is a, quote, unique as the breakfast tacos in San Antonio, which is a beautiful city, by the way, racist? So you had two options. Yes, it is super racist. And no, comparing Latinos to tacos is not racist. Uh, 93% of you said that it was super racist. Now, again, uh, I realize that that's truth social, and some of you are going to be like, you're throttling it. That's not fair. Well, I've got a poll right now in the live stream that you should be able to take. So just go ahead and take the poll. Um, Here's the thing. If you were talking about a Republican, you know darn well that this would have been labeled as racist. Oh, Casey, no, it wouldn't have. Yes, it would have, and I have proof, because Donald Trump tweeted a picture of a taco salad, and y'all freaked out. You're still freaked out about it. It is still used as an example of how racist he is that he tweeted a taco bowl. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, I think that if you say Donald Trump is racist against Latinos because he tweeted a taco bowl, if you say that that's racist, then I, yeah, yeah, I, I would I would assume that it's racist to call basically the Latino community breakfast tacos. So don't take my word for it, though. All right. I'm just a guy who has probably dated more Hispanic women than most of you have met. But don't take my word for it. OK, I'm, I'm just a dude from a place where there's tons of Hispanic and Latinos. Don't take my word for it. How about. How about a national Hispanic organization? That would be a re- better representation than my pasty white white butt, right? So let's uh, let's see what the national Hispanic organization here has to say about Jill Biden. An organization of Hispanic journalists blasted First Lady Jill Biden after she claimed Hispanics were as unique as breakfast tacos in a Monday speech in San Antonio. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, using breakfast. I'm sorry. This is a real story, guys. She is as inept as Joe is, and she's the one that keeps him from being more inept than he really is. That's scary. Using breakfast tacos to try to demonstrate the uniqueness of Latinos in San Antonio demonstrates a lack of cultural knowledge and sensitivity to the diversity of Latinos in the region. Right. (laughs) Exactly. I don't really need to say much else. Now, this is the National Association of Hispanic Journalists who are saying this on Twitter. Uh, The former vice first lady made the comments while speaking at an event honoring Raul Yezaguerra, the president of Unidos U.S. I probably butchered his name, and I'm sorry about that. But uh, she, she gave the quote that we just played for you, and the group says, We are not tacos. I hope not. I hope that you're not tacos. Uh, Republicans and conservatives pounced on the, the comments, which came as Hispanic voters appear to be trending Republican by, by a wide margin, for the record. Um, you know, the... The Hispanic lady who just took over that uh, congressional, excuse me, got the hiccups, that congressional seat, and she recently gave a gave an interview, and she said Democrats want to send me back to Mexico. Remember, she's the very first Mexican immigrant who was elected to Congress, legal immigrant, okay, very first Mexican immigrant elected to Congress. She took over a historically blue seat that had never gone red in like over 150 years. She beat she she won that so. Again, her name is Myra Flores. So she won that that special election uh, last month. And that is a district that is, I think it's almost was like 87, 88% Hispanic, something like that. So she she won that district as a Mexican immigrant who is a conservative Republican. And she was uh, given an interview the other day and she said, Democrats want me to be sent back to Mexico. And that's true because she's, it's not about letting people south of the border into the country. It's about letting only the ones that vote Democrat into the country. Always remember that. Uh, so anyway, the White House speechwriter just won a bet for getting the, the first lady to say something like this, said Steve Guest. He's, he's asking the question. He's an advisor to Republican Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Uh, yeah, I, I, maybe. Look, the Bidens have a problem with teleprompters. Was that on the teleprompter? I really have a question about this. Is this a part of her, like, prepared speech? Did nobody around her look at her and go, yo, comparing people to tacos is probably not the best thing to do. We kind of live in this hypersensitive society here where our party is pushing wokeism and we're constantly attacking everybody we possibly can about cultural appropriation and, um, you know, this insensitivity. And you're going to refer to people as being as diverse as breakfast tacos. Probably not the best course of action. So if this was on the teleprompter, which I don't know, if it was on the teleprompter, you would assume that there's a lot of people who approve that. And a lot of people, probably all pasty white liberals, just thought it was A-OK. You notice that it didn't get a resounding reaction from the crowd. There's a few people like, yeah, yeah, breakfast tacos. And I think everybody else is sitting there going, what did she just say? You only heard a few people react to it. Now, this is the lady who's supposed to be the vice president at a big event, right? She says this. You would expect that there's a huge reaction to her allegedly celebrating diversity, yet there's only a couple of people like, yeah, breakfast tacos. They'd probably been sitting there listening to this woman talk for a long time. They were hungry. (laughs) Christina Peshaw, who, again, is one of my favorite people. She's the comms uh, comms person for uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida. 
Imagine the regime media meltdown if a conservative called Hispanics breakfast tacos like Dr. Jill Biden did at a Latinx luncheon today. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, we already have a prime example of that. Donald Trump's taco bowl. So Jill Biden has apologized, but not really. You see, she didn't apologize. Jill Biden sent out her underling to apologize. Jill Biden didn't actually apologize. She didn't come out and say, I I meant the celebration of diversity. Breakfast tacos are a big thing in San Antonio. And I I thought I would throw the two together. It didn't come out the way that I was hoping. And I apologize. That's not what she did, though. She sent out her lackey to do it. Uh, So anyway, uh, one of her, her, uh, her people went out there and decided to to go ahead and and uh, and apologize. That is Michael LaRosa. And I'm I'm assuming that Michael LaRosa was the guy uh who was picked. Now he is the press secretary, but I'm assuming that Michael LaRosa was the guy who was picked to apologize for the first lady because of his last name. His last name is LaRosa. Good white Protestant name there, Ben. LaRosa. So I'm assuming because of his name, he was the one selected to go out there and actually issue the apology. So here's the apology. The First Lady apologizes that her words conveyed anything but pure admiration and love for the breakfast, I mean, the Latino community. So she didn't actually apologize. She sent out the guy with the Latino-sounding last name to apologize on her behalf. Now, things get worse because here's what the White House did. The White House, ladies and gentlemen, then falsified the official transcript of her speech. Not the first time the Biden White House has done this. This is also routine practice in the Obama White House. Youch. Although they did acknowledge Biden didn't say it in the video, PolitiFact seemed to be running a little interference for the White House. Um, So Jerry Dunleavy, this is PolitiFact, this is a tweet. This by PolitiFact is false. White House Assistant Press Secretary uh, Emily Simons did not say Biden intended to say that she that she said he actually said it, uh, which is untrue. And the White House transcript, which contains the falsehood, was not posted until after her claim. So that's not that's not good. Um, we start altering altering um, transcripts to save the so-called first lady. From embarrassment, we start running into problems. So again, on Monday, Jill Biden's gaffe fest comments on the Latinx inclusion luncheon, uh, Unidos U.S. 2022 annual conference in San Antonio. During her remarks, she made the following comment as reporter, which we just mentioned. I don't need to give it to you again. Uh, let's see. Jill Biden described bodegas as bodegas. Uh, got a lot of attention and a lot of mocking. Not surprisingly, she also got called out by Hispanic journalists for trying to compare Hispanic people to breakfast tacos. But this is just part of the pattern of problems that the Biden team has had in their outreach to the Hispanic community. And once again, when you don't value people and you only value their money and their vote, it'll come out. Now the official transcript is out for Jill Biden's comments at the luncheon. We have another problem. So the official transcript completely changed bodegas. And edited out the taco comment. So why is the White House doing that? Obviously, to spare her embarrassment. That's a problem. Now, we also have a retired three-star uh, lieutenant general, Gary Valeski, 
he has been suspended over a Jill Biden reaction tweet. He reacted to it. The Army suspended retired three-star Lieutenant General Gary Valesky over a tweet, apparently he still does work with the military, um, that appeared to mock the First Lady Jill Biden. Valesky had been a mentor to active duty officers. Okay, So he's, he's a retired general, but he's still a mentor. He's still on the payroll. They suspended him. Hmm. So he mocked Jill Biden. Now, this wasn't about the taco thing. This was about her tweet about Roe v. Wade, but he responded to it. Uh, she, she tweeted out for nearly 50 years, women have had the right to make their own decisions about our bodies. Today, that right was stolen from us, yada, yada. So he responded and said, glad to see that you finally know what a woman is, which is hysterical, by the way. <laughs> so now the Army has suspended the guy for saying that. Now, he retired in 2020. The guy used to run the 101st Airborne Division, the Screaming Eagles. So let me let me ask this question here before we go to commercial break. I know I'm giving Ben an ulcer here by being late. Why is it that a retired, uh, retired three-star general is not allowed to comment on Jill Biden's Roe v. Wade post, but there is a viral video right now of a female soldier questioning her service to her country over the Roe v. Wade decision, and she's not being punished. Why is that? UCMJ says you're not supposed to get involved in this stuff. He's retired, though. He's basically a contractor now. So the Army can make the decision that they want. The other lady is getting overtly political while wearing uniform online. And if you go on MilTalk, if you're on TikTok and you deal with military posts on TikTok, there's a lot of politics that happens there that's not stuff that we would have been allowed to do when I was in. So why is it that this guy is getting suspended by the Army, but that other lady who is clearly making a political post while wearing her uniform and questioning her service and loyalty to the United States after Roe v. Wade, why is she not getting disciplined? Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right, we have got to play this Josh Hawley audio. This is this is honestly hysterical. And what's so funny about this is that you're about to you're about to witness somebody who's unhinged. Not him, the person he was talking to in this uh this hearing in Congress. And they think the left, and I'm talking like the crazy left, they think that she won this. This is this is how tone deaf they are. So anyway, this is Josh Hawley getting called transphobic by a witness in the Senate committee. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to all of the witnesses for being here. Uh, before, uh, I, I want to visit with you, Ms. Meske, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? 
So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my us, line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it. Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking Are you? you if you're talking Are you? about women Are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that there, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think men can get <laughs> so. You are denying that trans people exist, like and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, you, no, no, they're, they're, told they're to opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot I just know. in this exchange. Absolutely extraordinary. She thinks she won that. There's a bunch of people online who think that she won that. There's a lot more people who are like, "Whoa, that lady's a little nuts." Not one time did he deny that trans people existed. Not once, but that's where they go. That was a good one. So we'll put that in the daily show prep for everybody if you want to go ahead and uh, watch that video and share it. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's a doozy. Talk about crazy town. MNC News Time is 4.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. Ah, here we go again. i got to talk about LeBron James for a minute. Bear with me. Bear with me, okay? I, I know LeBron James is, uh, he is what he is, guys. I, I don't know what else to say. You know, he's good at playing basketball. Um, he appears to potentially be a good family man based on what I know. I don't know a lot. But beyond that, there there isn't much positive to say about him. He's surrounded himself with yes people who have convinced him that he's, particularly skilled at communicating, and he's not. So he has said something about Brittany Griner. Uh, of course, Brittany Griner is the WNBA player who is uh, in, in prison in Russia because she smuggled illegal drugs into Russia. And you need to understand something. For those of you who missed the show when that broke, she has been going there for years. She knows the law. This idea that she accidentally brought illegal drugs into Russia because she didn't know is not true. She knew exactly what she was doing. She was trying to smuggle them in for her own personal use because she uses recreational drugs. Okay, Uh, I'm not going to knock somebody who wants to use recreational drugs that are legal in where they live, and they are legal where she lives. We're talking about marijuana. It's not legal in Russia. And if you want to play in Russia, you're going to have to play by their rules. Just because everybody is so Russia-phobic nowadays and they don't like Russia doesn't mean you get to break the rules of another country when you go over there. And this is something that she had done for numerous years. She knows the law in Russia. Well, she got caught. She got caught and she got detained. And then what they did is they decided to beg the Biden administration to get her out so that way she didn't have to face any responsibility for her own actions. And ultimately, she was forced to plead guilty. And she pled guilty to, again, a crime that she committed. It is important that everybody understand that. Now, maybe you like Brittany Griner. I know she's not really popular here because of what she did at Notre Dame women's basketball. But beyond that, if you're a fan of Brittany Griner, it doesn't change the fact that she broke the law. She got caught. And the trial, from 
all appearances, appears to have been completely and totally fair. But she pled guilty, and her wife is really upset about it and very disappointed in the Biden administration for not intervening on her behalf and, and what have you. But now you've got LeBron James involved. And this is where things get really funny. LeBron James, and I think uh, I think it was you know Snoop and a couple of other um, prominent black celebrities, they did a thing, it was, I was it on HBO? I don't know. It was some barbershop thing where they were talking about America, and one of the advertising clips of it was, Everywhere in the world, you get treated better if you're black than here in the United States. And the only thing I could think of after I stopped laughing was able to re reacquire oxygen into my lungs because I was laughing so hard was it's so funny because all of you guys, some of the richest, most influential people in the entire world, let alone our own country, can go anywhere you want, still choose not to leave, still choose to stay here. Yet you claim that you're treated worse here than everywhere else in the world. Now, of course, if you're an NBA player and you go to China, they will call you the N-word. We have played you video of this on the live stream before. We don't play it on the air because we don't play that stuff on the air. But we played you the video on the live stream before. And again, this is for, for China, this is A-OK. And LeBron James has never spoken up about China at all. Any of the things that they've done to the Uyghurs or anybody else, LeBron James doesn't care. LeBron James, to my knowledge, said nothing about large Chinese crowds calling NBA players the N-word when they were getting off of the plane. To my knowledge, he said nothing about it because he wants their money. So LeBron James made a comment. Oh, it is an HBO show. Oh, the shop uninterrupted. Apparently this thing is still on. Who knows? Okay. So anyway, He said this, okay, he goes, now, how can she feel like America has her back? Meaning Brittany Griner, of course. I would be feeling like, do I even want to go back to America? Where's Brittany Griner going to go? Where's Brittany Griner going to go other than the United States? She didn't get in trouble in the United States. She got in trouble in Russia, another country, for doing something that she is legally allowed to do here. Yet his entire point is, why would she want to come back to the United States? Why? Because Joe Biden didn't come to her aid because she broke the laws of another country. There is backing your citizens, ladies and gentlemen, when your citizens are being unjustly imprisoned or persecuted. Every administration should do that. We've seen most administrations. I don't think the Biden administration has had that opportunity yet. We've seen most administrations in the U.S. actually come to the aid of Americans um, who are in those situations. Obama famously abandoned Americans. Um, the Trump administration did not. But the Biden administration, I, to my knowledge, well, yeah, they have had that opportunity. My apologies. They have had that opportunity. They've chosen to back it up or uh, to not uh, to not actually come to the aid of those Americans. My apologies. There's a pastor. Um, but the Brittany Griner situation is totally different. This is somebody who did it. And she wasn't some new tourist who had never been to Russia before and did not know. How many of you would ever board an airplane and go to another country with marijuana on you? How many of you? Even if you were going to Amsterdam, would you do that? Probably not, because there's probably going to be some kind of a flight that lands somewhere where it's not legal. There's no reason for you to do that. Well, Brittany Griner chose to do that. And she got caught breaking the law. And as a result of getting caught breaking the law, she's had to pay for that while there. 
And everybody is mad that she has to pay for her own actions, which she knew ahead of time were illegal. And now they're telling everybody that she shouldn't even bother coming back to the United States because they don't have her back. Again, where is she going to go? Amsterdam? Does Amsterdam have a basketball league that she could thrive in? I don't know. I don't know if the Netherlands has anything like that. But this is, again, when you have the the byproduct of somebody who has surrounded themselves with yes men, they say things like this. This is not an intelligent comment. Brittany Griner, America doesn't have her back. She shouldn't even bother coming back to the United States. It, why? She can do what she wants to do here and not get in trouble. It's only when she left the United States that she got in trouble. Brittany Griner should absolutely want to come back to the United States. And everybody, everybody who supports her now thinks that Russia has been abusing this entire situation. And yet you're still saying that she is better off over there than she is here. That is not the words of somebody who is intelligent or capable of critical thinking in any way, shape, or form. Yet somehow, some way, he has influence just because he's a famous athlete. But every time this guy opens his mouth on any kind of an issue like this, whether it's political or newsworthy or what, he is, he's wrong like every single time. Why would she even want to come back to the United States? Well, probably because she can smoke her pot here and not go to prison. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Should probably change that promo code to Brittany temporarily. Just Just to tweak everybody. Oh, man. Yeah, LeBron James. Not a bright guy. Anyway, don't forget you can watch the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey the host, rumble.com slash Casey the host. Our, uh, one of our senators, Mike Braun, is criticizing Joe Biden for using COVID funds for social justice projects. So he went on Fox and Friends today. He says, there's no such, there's no such, there is so much money, excuse me. There's so much money sloshing around in that $2 trillion bill. Only 10% of it went to COVID which, of course, we warned you about. And we're going to see more and more of this over time, Braun said. He was referring to the alleged misuse of funds as a part of the inflation bomb. The Indiana senator referred to the allegation um, of misuse of funds as part of an inflation bomb. It's part of an inflation bomb, he said. Now we're seeing how it's blowing up around the country with stuff like this. It's no good. We've asked them to tell us what, what is left unspent. What do you have rat holed away, Braun said. Of course, they're not telling him. And this is exactly what you were told was going to happen. Now, Mike Braun is weak on a lot of things, but he is fiscally responsible for the most part. So he's good on these issues. And Mike Braun, he's going there. He's talking with Brian Kilmeade. He's like, look, we we got 10% of this money that went for COVID. The rest of it is somewhere. We can't really track it down. We can't really find it. It's being misused. It's being used for things that it was not intended to be used for, which you were all told was going to happen. Of course, that's what happens when the Democrats get, you know, manipulating these bills. And he's also very concerned that Congress is not going to have much oversight or say, but this is elections have consequences, even stolen ones. If you are going to go ahead and allow the other party to take over, 
if you're a Republican, you have to deal with spending bills like this. That is just the reality. And when you throw in a, a crisis scenario, of course, Rahm Emanuel, never let a good crisis go to waste, you're going to have overspending. Let's not forget, there was a bipartisan spending bill that we had in the middle of COVID that was not going to have a bunch of the, the pork stuff in it, okay? And Nancy Pelosi got on a late-night flight, red-eyed her, her tail back from San Francisco to D.C. and killed the deal. Remember that? And it was all designed. She, she basically came back and she says, this isn't about COVID. We have an opportunity to get a bunch of our pet projects funded. And nobody can vote against it because, well, COVID. So you're going to put all of this pork barrel spending in here. You're going to start funding these unfunded liabilities of these city governments. You're going to bail out these Democrat-run city governments. You're going to fund their pensions and everything else. She, she flew back in the middle of the night to get this done. She killed this deal. Now, eventually, she failed that time, but she succeeded the next time. And that's the bill, of course, that Braun is referring to. So this is a quote, we're going to see a little by little because they know that they did it all at once. It would shock everybody big time. They're not going to pull it off. We are going to watch and sadly, there is going to be more of it. Exactly. So what he's basically saying is, you know, in the rescue plan, um, even though only 10% of that $2 trillion went for COVID, which was the whole premise of passing the thing, slowly but surely, you're going to see the rest of that $2 trillion going to come out with pet projects and Democrats are going to fund things that they want to fund because they can't do it all at once. If they do it all at once, it's going to shock and anger the American people. We'll get to why that is not a good idea coming up in in the five o'clock hour because uh, Biden is officially the lowest polling president in history. Okay. So we've got this situation where they're just going to trickle this stuff out. And most people are not going to notice it too much. Now, what can be done about it? Don't know. Bill got passed. People were warned. News media lied to you. News media tried to tell you that it was it was all going to be for COVID stuff. Of course, we know there wasn't for COVID stuff. But this is this is what happens when people decide not to vote. Really, is that simple? And every time I hear fiscal conservatives or fiscal Republicans even, or even fiscal dem- Democrats say, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get involved in, in this. I don't like any of the candidates, what have you. This is what you're faced with. You're faced with tons of money getting wasted and bailing out people. So they don't have to be held accountable locally by their own voters. More and more voters are starting to get sick and tired of unfunded pension liability. Well, if you fund the pensions, through federal tax dollars, then local governments, like in Chicago, they can just continue to to engage in the corrupt politics that they've been engaging in forever. Nothing gets fixed. Nothing gets resolved. Because suddenly this problem that they had over their shoulders has gone away. You paid for it. Your kids paid for it. Your grandkids paid for it. Your great-grandkids paid for it. But the problem for them went away. So... Say what you want about Mike Braun. He's, he's good on these things, and he's, he's done more than I think most Republicans have to raising awareness of the spending in the so-called rescue bill. But what are you going to do about it? you got a midterm election. Maybe something can be fixed there. Unlikely, but you've got a midterm election. If this is something that concerns you going forward, 
the fact that you were lied to. Everybody else was lied to. The news media lied to you about this. Politicians lied to you about this. And 90% of the COVID relief of the American Rescue Plan didn't go to COVID. It's just sitting there in some coffer somewhere and doled out over an extended period of time for pet projects. If that concerns you, you got some decisions to make. So start preparing for that. Don't get, don't get caught without having that information and going into the polls and saying, I'm just going to do the same old thing that I did before. This is obviously an extremely important issue. This is a lot of money. I remember when we were concerned that China was going to cash in $500 billion of our debt and people thinking that was going to ruin our economy. Of course, I told you it was wrong. It wouldn't ruin the economy. But I remember when that was a serious concern, $500 billion. And now we're talking about trillions and trillions of dollars. So what's going to happen down the line with that? Of course, all of this adds to inflation. All of it adds to inflation. That bill is making it more difficult for you to pay your bills now. That's the truth. And at least Mike Braun's doing that. If you don't like the guy, at least he's raising awareness on this particular issue. If nothing else, that's a positive in his in his count. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Watch the live stream. Hang out with us. Uh, live stream's a little bit different today because I got new software and haven't gotten all of the scenes taken care of yet. You can also follow me on Truth Social at Casey, the host. Hope you check me out there. The new website, btmedia.news, the conservative news aggregator, my podcast, daily show prep, and, of course, the brand-new social network as well. All of that at btmedia.news. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Christiana Sushan. Was that like a breaking announcement, or they announced that this morning? Uh, Notre Dame announced their new baseball coach. So Notre Dame baseball has got their new coach. I uh, missed the first name. Last name was Stifler. So I'm looking forward to the American Pie memes at every uh, Notre Dame game. So that's going to be good stuff. But uh, Notre Dame's got a new coach for baseball. We got to talk about Hunter Biden. And this is this is a really good article on this. And I know that it feels like there's been a lot of Hunter Biden news lately. And that's because there has been. There's been tons of Hunter Biden news lately. And a lot of it is not getting covered. Nothing new because they don't ever cover Hunter Biden. But there are 10 new Hunter Biden scandals, and you're not getting a lot of coverage on the major networks for this. Now, some of them are popping up here and there on Fox, but not all of them. So let's go over what we have here, because I think I might even have an extra one added to this list. But let's go over the 10 that uh, MRC says are not being covered. Number one, possible federal prostitution charges for Hunter Biden. Now, again, I I always have to put this because there's always going to be initially somebody who's liberal who goes, well, he's not the president. Okay, but he's in the inner circle. He's the president's kid. You would pitch a fit if it were Donald Trump Jr. or Ivanka or Eric Trump. You'd absolutely pitch a fit. You guys attacked you know, Barron for crying out loud anytime you could. But this would be a big story if it were any of Donald Trump's kids. And Hunter Biden handles the family or did handle the family finances. So this is in addition to all of the things that Joe Biden may have done that were illegal based on some of the evidence. Friendly reminder, the government of Ukraine is still accused the Biden family of committing major crimes, which include Joe. 
On July 11th, the Daily Mail reported that prosecutors may have a case for federal prostitution offenses against Hunter Biden, according to documents, texts, and videos that show that he spent a staggering 30 grand on escorts in a five-month period. The former vice president's son also wrote checks to a Ukrainian woman whose transactions were red-flagged by banks for suspicious activity. A suspicious activity report filed by J.P. Morgan Chase named Florida and New York-based uh, Ekaterina, Ekaterina Mariva after she received tens of thousands of dollars from Hunter's company and women who the first son paid for sex. Texts from Hunter's iPhone also show him handwriting checks disguised as medical services to escorts supplied by Mariva, whose website offers a, quote, girlfriend experience with escorts as long as young as 20 years old. Okay. Some of those payments came just hours after he received thousands of dollars from his dad. Yes, it all connects back to Joe. So there could be, there could be, Federal prostitution charges here. ABC, CBS, and NBC evening and morning shows have not covered a single second of this story. On July 9th, the Daily Mail reported that Joe Biden sold oil from the emergency reserves to a Chinese company that Hunter Biden has a financial stake in. Now, there's a lot of folks that have said this is clearly an impeachable offense. Uh, E-Cat Arena is the uh, the name. Thank you. Appreciate that, Eric. Now, getting rid of oil from the Strategic Reserve and, and selling them to China is already problematic. Uh, when your kid is a financial stake in the company, definitely, definitely potential for impeachment. No doubt about that. So Biden sold, Joe Biden, sold 950,000 barrels of Strategic Petroleum Reserve oil to a state-owned Chinese firm in which Hunter Biden's private equity firm held a $1.7 billion stake. As I told you before, the Biden family was going to be good for Russia and good for China. That was before the Ukrainian conflict, but the policies, the energy policies in particular, were very good for Russia before Ukraine. ABC, CBS, NBC evening and morning uh, shows have covered it for Zero seconds. Hunter Biden repeatedly insulted First Lady Jill Biden, used vulgar slurs and texts. The U.S. Sun reported on July 8th that Hunter Biden blasted First Lady Jill Biden as a, quote, vindictive moron after she urged him to get sober. That is before she compared Latinos to tacos this week. No coverage from ABC, CBS, or NBC. None. Representative James Comer has accused the White House of stonewalling the Hunter Biden investigation, which we've known for quite some time that they've been doing. On July 6th, New York Post reported that the top Republican on the House Oversight Committee pressed Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen for information on the shady foreign dealings of first son Hunter Biden, accusing the White House of thwarting the panel's probe in order to protect the former vice president, which, of course, they've clearly been doing. Uh, The Republicans have made sure that you know that if you put them back in power in the midterm elections, they will be investigating this because right now they're getting stonewalled by everybody. Representative Comer claimed in a letter to Janet Yellen that the Biden administration may be preventing the release of suspicious activity reports related to Hunter Biden. 
reports, which again are known as SARs, are generated by banks that flag suspicious large transactions and are meant to guard against money laundering. And there has been some very suspicious payments to Biden family members that you've never heard of, by the way, in very large sums. Just some weird stuff going on with the finances with the Biden family. Again, ABC, CBS, and NBC have not covered a single second of this. Hunter Biden filmed himself smoking crack in a sensory deprivation tank. One month after he convinced his dad to send him $20,000 for a detox program. Now, there's going to be a lot of people again who will say, well, um, you know, using this as political fodder against uh, a parent who has an addict child is not appropriate. Once again, they would certainly do it if it were the Trump family. But beyond that, Hunter Biden is intimately involved in the business affairs of Joe Biden. This is a problem. This is something that compromises Joe Biden, compromises his family. These are all things that affect security clearance in every branch of government. Anybody who's ever had a security clearance will confirm this to you. Once again, no coverage by ABC, CBS, or NBC. Hunter Biden's laptop also had contacts for U.S. officials for China policy and Google executives. On July 2nd, New York Post reported that Hunter Biden's hard drive contained an enviable lineup of contacts for top U.S. officials tasked with overseeing the U.S.-China relationship and at least 10 senior Google executives raising new questions about the extent to which Joe Biden's well-connected son could have leveraged his connections for personal profit. Once again, this goes back to him being an addict and being compromised. Not covered at all by ABC, CBS, or NBC News. Then you got the voicemail. Joe Biden himself commenting on Hunter Biden's voicemail that he thinks he's in the clear for some of the things that he did that could be problematic or potentially illegal. Which completely destroys any mythical and unreasonable notion that Joe Biden never had a conversation with his son about any overseas business dealings, which we already knew on its face were not true. We knew it just from the common sense standpoint of it, and we knew at the moment Devin Archer, the business partner of Hunter Biden, was out golfing with Joe Biden multiple times. Devin Archer has also visited with Joe Biden several times at the White House. Devin Archer, of course, one of the latest business associates of Hunter Biden, who has now faced criminal charges for money laundering. So you've got multiple business partners of Hunter Biden who have been convicted or charged with money laundering. What is it the Ukrainian government has accused the Biden family of doing again? Money laundering and stealing money from the Ukrainian people. But this clearly proves that Joe Biden has been lying to everybody. Now that story was published at the end of June. Not a single second of it has ever been covered on ABC, CBS, or NBC News. Not in the morning, not at night. Hunter Biden's Russian escorts unknowingly being financed by Joe Biden. Again, story from the end of June. Went over this uh, not that long ago. You got Hunter Biden basically saying, I don't have any money. Joe Biden wiring him a bunch of money. And then Hunter Biden going on a bender, paying a bunch of prostitutes, getting a bunch of drugs, filming himself in deprivation tanks, doing drugs and all that stuff. Now, again, you could make the claim. You could make the claim that 
It's not fair to use that to punish Joe Biden. But what it does is, again, ties Joe Biden in his vulnerability to his son, who is clearly not okay. Hunter Biden also sat down with Russian oligarchs. One of those oligarchs is now wanted for murder. Certainly a question. Why did Hunter Biden again meet with this oligarch? Hunter Biden has received money from Russian oligarchs. Why did he meet with this guy? This guy is now wanted for murder. Does Hunter Biden have any connection or knowledge or anything to do with that? Was it just a chance coincidence? Don't know. Has to be investigated. Has to be talked about. Well, Casey, we don't know anything about it. Look, again, you guys are the ones that spent, you know, over over five years talking about a fake story that never had any evidence with Russia collusion. And that all started with a story that was never corroborated about prostitutes in Russia. And the news media's the whole point, when anybody came out there and went, none of this is illegal anyway. Why is this a why is this a story if it happened, even though it doesn't seem like it happened, it wouldn't be a crime. The news media's position on this, the Democratic uh, political party and their politicians, their position on this was it must be investigated just in case Trump is compromised. Therefore, until he's in the clear, he's unqualified to be president. But that standard doesn't apply to Hunter Biden or Joe Biden. Hunter Biden also bragged that Joe will adopt any political position that he wants. Quote, he thinks I'm a god. This is on June 14th in the Washington Examiner. No coverage. But there's another there's another scandal that I want to add to this. And the White House, this one, the White House is actually getting questions on. And this goes back a little ways to Hunter Biden's artwork. We're going to talk about that next. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Hey, welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. Casey Hendrickson here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Just went over 10 scandals with Hunter Biden that are not being covered by the press. But there's another one. Hunter Biden's artwork. And this is one that we have been tracking for a long time. I know that we're not alone in that. Everybody's been kind of paying attention to that. Uh, Hunter Biden selling artwork privately, not telling anybody who bought the artwork. Because it's totally not a backroom contribution to dad, right? Not the big guy. That would never happen. Well, since the very shady artwork situation went down, which even liberal journalists have been saying, this doesn't look good. And it was actually flagged by some some government agencies as being really risky and seriously problematic with doing something like this, considering the relationship that the Biden family has had with Hunter Biden selling access to his dad overseas. This is very questionable. If anybody buys Hunter Biden's artwork, Hunter Biden, of course, is not known as an artist. If anybody buys Hunter Biden's artwork, are they actually just giving an in-kind contribution for access to Joe? which, of course, is a crime. You can't do that. So this becomes a real real issue here. And a lot of people have been looking into it. Well, the White House is still not providing any information on this. And this is something like I said. Even people who are politically left-leaning are looking at it and going, mm, this is not good. 
So the White House is refusing to provide any transparency or any information on Hunter Biden's art that has reportedly been sold to anonymous top dollar buyers for his amateur work back in 2021. If you've seen the art, you know it's trash. And Hunter Biden isn't one of those people who's famous on their own merit and people would buy the artwork simply because a famous person painted them. I'm sure that Tom Cruise could paint something that looked ridiculously stupid and could sell it for a dumb amount of money because he's Tom Cruise. Hunter Biden doesn't have that pull. Hunter Biden's reported sales to anonymous buyers for at least five pieces of art, 75 grand each. The White House has declined to comment on who those individuals are and what protocols, if any, are in place to ensure that the purchasers are not connected to foreign nations or nationals seeking to influence the administration. Remember, the entire premise of Trump-Russia collusion was a foreign government could be influencing the White House. That's the reason that everything involving Hunter Biden is so concerning. The Biden family has been connected to hostile foreign entities. And what, what would be the big deal? What would be the big deal for the White House to come out there and go, look, it's, you know, Bill Gates bought one of the paintings for $75,000. What would be the big deal with that? Why would they hide that? Why would somebody not want to be known as somebody who paid seventy five grand for a Hunter Biden painting? What would the motivation be to keep their identity secret? We're just talking about a Hunter Biden painting. We're not talking about a priceless work of art that has actual historical value, where somebody doesn't want to be known because they don't want somebody breaking into the house and stealing it. This is only a Hunter Biden painting. And Hunter Biden got seventy five grand for each of these five pieces of art, which is ridiculous. And everybody knows it's ridiculous. So what is the reason for all the secrecy? The White House's position on this is that we're not going to tell you anything, which, of course, makes the whole situation that much worse because it now looks very suspicious and very guilty. So who are these people? Well, if they tell you who they are, there's a good chance you're going to be able to trace it back to something that probably shouldn't have happened and may potentially be a crime. Another motivation for the midterm, because in the midterm, Republicans have said if they win the midterm elections, they will investigate who bought the paintings. Will they get anywhere? I don't know. The White House also refused to comment on whether the administration is participating in the vetting of of the buyers of Hunter Biden's artwork. They wouldn't even say, no, we're not involved, or yes, we're involved. What? (laughs) I mean, honestly, it's ridiculous. Now, the White House has previously defended the artwork being sold, saying that Hunter's Hunter's artwork is protected by a veil of secrecy and that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, they've defended it in the past. But there's a very real concern within even the intelligence community that, hey, there, there could be something nefarious here. But certainly political minds and legal minds are looking at this and going, this looks very illegal and the fact that the white house is not acknowledging any of this is very concerning this leads me to the latest information here which is joe biden's approval rating is now 29 percent. 29 percent is his approval rating that is horrendously bad 58% disapprove of him. Only 19% of independent voters approve of Joe Biden. Only 19% 
of independent voters approve of his performance as former vice president. 67% of independent voters disapprove. Those are crazy numbers. Now, when you look at this, I posted an article here on Truth Social yesterday, and I said, you know, another one of my famous hashtag told you is, is, is circling, is getting ready to land here. This is an article in the Washington Times. Biden's presidency nears a premature end amid dismal polling, economic anxiety, and blunders. It's a whole article that analyzes how the Democrats are pushing him out, which, you know, before the election even happened, before the vote even happened in November, I told you if Biden were to win, if he were to win, the plan is to keep him there for two years, replace him with Kamala, slide Pete right in there as VP, groom Pete, and hopefully you build a dynasty of Democrats. That plan is somewhat foiled because nobody likes Kamala and everything she has touched has been screwed up. And nobody seems to like Pete and everything he's touched is screwed up. So we'll see if the Democrats are still going to go with it. But let's be honest, even in Democratic circles right now, they're, they're not willing to hold on even with Joe Biden. When the alternative of Kamala taking over is still more appealing than Joe Biden, things are bad. You throw in there that his wife has just basically compared the entire Latino community to tacos. That doesn't make things better. Not even, again, not, I, I keep saying tacos, but it's not even tacos. Breakfast tacos. And I, nobody likes breakfast tacos. It's weird. <laughs> so, I'm from the Southwest. Breakfast tacos are weird. Uh, breakfast burritos and another thing. Breakfast tacos. So you got the Washington Times. They're they're looking at this and they're talking about you know even in the in the New York Times. Um, I think CNN did a whole thing on this yesterday where they couldn't they couldn't even fathom that he was in the 20s. Because again they they want they want to believe that he's amazing. Nobody agrees with them. He is going to go down as the worst president in American history. I am convinced of that. Jimmy Carter is is loving this because he's no longer that guy. Jimmy Carter is going to be like, Whew. after Joe Biden is out of the office, this is my prediction, it's, it's a dark and grim one. After Joe Biden is out of office and it's somewhat universally settled that he's the worst president in, in at least modern American history, if not completely, Jimmy Carter will probably pass away. It'll be because he's finally relieved that he is not the worst president ever, and he doesn't have to hold on and continue to make up for it. Why do you think Habitat for Humanity is such a thing? He's desperately trying to fix his reputation. Joe Biden's going to fix that for him. MNC News Time is 3.33. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. All right, so just out of curiosity, I decided to hop over to... The real clear politics average of Joe Biden's approval. And this does not include the latest poll, which has him in the 20s. Okay. This does not include that yet. The real clear politics average of all polls as of yesterday, not today, not with the new poll, has Biden's approval at 38.2, which is lower than Trump at this time. And 56.2% disapproval. 
That is the average. Youch. Now, uh, Ben was saying that he was curious about what a liberal outlet like the New York Times, what their polling would show for Joe Biden. So if you look at the the New York Times uh, Siena poll, which was done on July 5th through the 7th, it is actually the worst poll for Joe Biden that was done recently. 33% approval in New York Times, 60% disapproval in the New York Times. And again, that is without the latest poll having Joe Biden's approval in the 20s being added to the average. So the RCP average is going to go down. But even the New York Times, only 33% approval. Uh, whereas like the highest approval is in the YouGov Economist poll, which is 41%. That is the highest approval rating that Joe Biden has for July. It's ugly. It is ugly, which is why Democrats are looking to get rid of him. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm not obviously right yet about that two-year thing, but it's circling. <laughs> that that whole prediction is just circling. I'm just waiting to land it on you guys because I made that prediction pretty early before the uh, the last election even happened. You know, Most of you know that I was talking about that based on some of the information that I had, and I don't know that anybody else has uh, made that prediction. So if they have, I'm not aware of it. But Democrats right now, according to all of the analysts, all of the people with inside knowledge are trying desperately to get rid of Joe Biden. They don't know what to do. I was listening to Hannity yesterday, and they had some inside um, staffers and things like that, which, by the way, are fleeing the White House left and right. The staffers keep quitting, probably because Jill Biden keeps referring to them as tacos. And they keep they keep leaving. And it's the minority staffers who are leaving. So, you know, that doesn't that doesn't bode well. You know, when you have you go into very blue cities and you go into lower income areas and you go to gas stations where you're talking to low income minorities in American cities that are Democrat run and they're going, we want Trump back. You got you got some real problems. You know, some people think that those things are just being edited and anybody who doesn't like Trump is being edited out. And I don't know, maybe. Um, but it, there's a lot of places that keep coming up with this content, including local news outfits. So it'll be interesting to see what it, what ends up happening here. But that uh, two-year prediction, we're pretty darn close to it. You know, get through those midterms. We'll see what happens. But I would not be surprised if Joe Biden does not does not last beyond just past two years. I really wouldn't. Uh, Democrats want him out of there desperately. And everything, he's, this is the other thing. Everything he's done has been bad. Like There hasn't been any positive successes. He hasn't had any wins. And anybody who's out there still supporting him, they're just they're faking it until they make it for the sake of not wanting to cave in and say, yeah, he's been a pretty terrible president. Like I said, I would not be surprised, would not be surprised if he's out of there right after the midterm elections. And I certainly would not be surprised for it to be pretty universal that he's the worst president, at least in modern American history. Um, there's certainly some arguments for early American history, but this is bad. And he's making Jimmy Carter look good. And that's very difficult to do. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. That kind of 
kind of piggybacking on we were having a discussion about elections and things like that here on the live stream during the commercial breaks. But uh, one of the things that happened when I was on vacation is the Wisconsin Supreme Court has banned the use of unmanned ballot drop boxes for ballot collection. Um, It was a ruling that came out on Friday, four to three. And voters could not turn their ballots into unmanned drop boxes and said that voters would not be allowed to give their ballots to others to drop off for them. And remember, Wisconsin Supreme Court is the one that raised alarms about the election in the state before the the election was certified, that there could be over 200,000 invalid ballots that have been counted in that election. Um, So this is, you know, that's that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. We, We have still found just within the last couple of months ballot drop boxes that had ballots in them that were not counted. Would that have affected the election? I don't know. Maybe not. But it might have affected some local elections. Bill O'Reilly is up next. Rumble.com slash Casey, the host. We'll see you tomorrow.